Welcome to the Grand Point Church Podcast. We're a church serving the South Central Pennsylvania area with a mission to help as many people as possible take their next steps to find and follow Jesus. If you aren't already, make sure to connect with us online through social media or at grandpoint.church and let us know how God is moving in your life. Now, let's check out this week's message from Pastor Dan. What is up, Grand Point? It is so good to be here this morning. Man, it's good to see this. It is so cool that we are able to be kind of all together in the same place at the same time, isn't it? So this is the first Sunday that we have the folks from United joining us over here in the sanctuary. We've got the folks from Traditions in here. Man, this is cool to see God's body and diversity across generations all together in the same place. It's such an exciting time, and man, I love being able to worship together whenever that is the way that we um, are able to bring all of this together. To start things off today, I just want to kind of start with this question. Have you ever had a relationship where it was obvious that the other person in that relationship was just there to gain things from you? This could be a friendship, this could be a dating relationship, whatever. I think most of us have had this sort of experience uh, because... In general, relationships are about give and take. They're about giving and they're about taking and just finding that place of, of kind of mutual benefit, if you will. Uh, but sometimes you end up in a relationship where somebody is just taking. All they do is take and take and take, and there's never a point where you gain anything yourself from that relationship. I think we all get, this, get that in different um, seasons and different stages in our lives, But I remember a time very specifically where this happened in my life and in a little bit more of an extreme way. And I'm going to change some of the details of this story because I don't want to tell the story to make a person look bad or or go through that whole kind of element that this could be. But when I was in school, um, at the very beginning of being in school, you all ha- we all have this experience where we're trying to figure out who we connect with, right? We're trying to figure out who we fit in with. And this is true across the board for so many other circumstances, right? Whether it's school or you're entering a new grade, a new, new place there. Maybe it's starting a new job. Maybe it's checking out a new church. All of these things are, are times when we're just trying to feel out the waters, right? We're trying to figure out where we fit. We're trying to figure out who we fit with, what our place is in this new thing. And I think so many of us could probably resonate with that experience. Well, I had in this specific time in school connected with a group of people that were a year or two ahead of me. And by all intents and purposes, this group of people would be considered kind of the cool people, right? They just seemed like they had everything together. It seemed like they had life figured out. They listened to cool music. They had this kind of just vibe about them that drew you to them. They looked and acted cool. It's kind of like the modern equivalent of, say, the Fonz from Happy Days, right? He just radioed, oh, wait, sorry, I I might have just lost everyone under the age of 30. Um, Justin Timberlake, you know, he just radiates cool, right? That's what this group of people was like. And somehow, I connected with this group of people. And it wasn't because I was cool, that is for sure. Um, It was just we had all these kind of common interests. We liked the same kind of music. And so I connected with this group of people, and we would hang out. And it was just a great time of just building these friendships. Well, around that same time, I started hanging out with this guy that I met in one of my classes. And we were becoming friends. And we'd start hanging out. We'd start doing things together. And at one point in time, this group of friends came up when we were hanging out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are awesome. I think you would like hanging out with them. And so I was actually hanging out with them that night. I invited the guy to come along with us. And he came with us. And we all hung out together. And it was just a great time. And that was pretty much the last time I talked to the guy, just (laughs) one-on-one. From that time on, 
it seemed like he never had time for me. It seemed like he wasn't interested in talking to me. He wasn't interested in, in connecting with me in any way, shape, or form. And then it came out a little while later from this group of friends who were talking to him at some point that really the only reason he ever hung out with me is because he wanted to be friends with them. And he saw that I was hanging out with them. And so, obviously, that's a little bit painful. That's something that we all kind of, I think, could see as being this negative experience. When the only thing that somebody wants in a relationship with you is something that they're taking, it can hurt. It's no fun. My whole point in telling this story is that I think many of us, sometimes inadvertently, do the same exact thing in our relationship with God where we look at God and we see all that God has to offer us and our relationship becomes really one-sided. Where all we want and all we need and all of these things are the stuff that we are always asking for, especially in our prayer life. And it's the things that we're constantly trying to take from God and we never, in turn, have the opposite of that relationship. Part of the reason why we're working through this series, Teach Us to Pray, is because we need to learn to challenge some of these aspects of our lives. Some of these things that we've allowed to seep into our lives that make our relationship with God amazingly one-sided. Where we're just constantly here with our, with our hands out asking for something from God, and we're never actually turning the corner and recognizing God for who he is and worshiping God for who he is. In this series, Teach Us to Pray, we are walking through the Lord's Prayer. We are talking through all of these different lines from the Lord's Prayer so that we can begin to understand how to pray. The Lord's Prayer comes directly from Jesus when the disciples come to him in both Matthew 6 and Luke 11. And the disciples come to him and they say to him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus answers with the Lord's Prayer. And so let's Spend a few moments here with a little bit of old school liturgy. Let's read through the Lord's Prayer together. The words will be up on the screen for you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus teaches us this amazingly beautiful way of praying that covers so many different aspects of our relationship with God. This week, we are stopping and pausing on that line, hallowed be your name. We're looking at this reality of the holiness of God and seeing how that should impact not only the way we pray, but the way we w in which we live our lives. I think this conversation about prayer has a lot of tension points for us because it's going to reveal some of our heart issues. It's going to reveal some of the ways in which we've been living our lives in a way that isn't in line with God's plan for our lives. And so as we dig into this, there's going to be some things that are uncomfortable. There's going to be some tension points for us because I think what has happened for so many of us is we've inadvertently allowed the culture around us, the world around us, to seep into the way we think, the way we act, the things that we believe, in a way that is contrary to what God desires for our lives. I know I have been guilty of, of so many of these things that we're going to be talking about today, so please don't hear me pointing a finger at you and saying, man, you are messing up, how dare you do this, because so much of this is true for myself as well. 
But I've been guilty of so many of these things in my life. Tell me if you recognize some of these things in your own prayers as we start talking about this in reference to prayer. Some of us, I think, treat God like a genie. Your wish is my command. So we come to God and we ask and we ask and we want and we want and we take and we take. God, give me. God, help me. God, heal me. We make it this one-sided thing where it's just us constantly asking from God. Now, does that mean we shouldn't ask things from God? Absolutely not. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to be looking at the line, give us this day our daily bread. It's a direct ask from God. But too often, our relationship with God becomes just about that. It becomes just about asking and taking and wanting and asking and taking. Sometimes we treat God like he's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Sometimes that's the way we look at God. We look at God, and the only time that we pray to God is whenever something that we love is at risk. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's our life. Maybe it's our money. Maybe it's our friends. Maybe it's our family. The only time we come to God is whenever all of a sudden it seems like we're going to lose one of these things. And so we come to God, and that's, once that gets done, we put him back on the shelf, and that's that. Both of these respects, and believe me, there's a hundred illustrations that we could talk about that fill into these categories, but I think both of these things really have the same bent. They both have the same common denominator, and that is our own selfishness. That is our own self-centeredness. So often, that is what ends up coming between us and our relationship with God because we get so focused on ourselves, we get so focused on what the world tells us we should have that we lose out and miss out on a true picture of who God is. The unfortunate reality is I think that because us as American Christians, our, because of our culture, what we have grown up in, this is something that has been taught to us from day one. It has been taught to us from the moment we are born that the world is actually about you. That it's about what you want. It's about what you desire. It's about your freedoms. These are the things that we get caught up in, the American dream. And mind you, we would not be here in this place if it weren't for something like the American dream. So don't hear me say a bunch of negative about this. Because we have the freedom to be able to do this stuff. But the, the unintended side effect of that is so much of our lives are about us that when it comes to our relationship with God, we make it about us instead of about him. And it's a challenge that we have to learn to face. It feeds into the selfishness, our self-centered thinking. So you can see this in the focus of our prayers. When your prayers are only ever focused on take, give, take, 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 that is an obvious reality of this selfishness. And the truth is that usually pours into the way in which we live our lives. It pours into our very relationship that we have with Jesus. That's why we're having the conversation today from hallowed be your name. Because today's conversation is really a conversation about positioning. It's a conversation about recognizing who God is and then being able to see who we are by comparison. Today is showing us that this appropriate view of God should impact the way we pray and it should impact the very way in which we live our lives. Today we're talking about holiness. You heard Chris define this a little bit earlier, but let me reiterate what he said. Holy means to be set apart, to be wholly different, to have this separate existence. 
Now, there's obviously some more mundane ways that, that holy comes up. Uh, maybe this will help you kind of understand this a little bit. We all probably, well, I can't say all now, but we all should have a holy toothbrush, right? <laughs> a toothbrush that is meant for just you. Now, I did find out just like, a, like 45 minutes ago that one of our team members does not have a holy toothbrush. She's a weirdo, so we're, we're just going to leave it at that. But holiness, set apart, completely different. Now, I know that's an incredibly crude example when you start applying this to God, but God is wholly set apart. He is holy. He is different. God is set apart in so many ways. He's so far beyond us as humanity. He's set apart in his righteousness. He's set apart in his power and authority. He's set apart in his existence, his very being. So when we start to talk about our lives being lived out in holiness, what we're actually doing is trying to be a reflection of God's holiness. We're trying to be a small picture of who God is. And we realize that we're a really pale reflection of that. This is why a relationship with Jesus is so crucial to our lives because we are not capable of being as holy as God. We are not capable of living up to God's righteousness, but Jesus, being God, is. And so through Jesus' sacrifice, through Jesus' death on the cross, he is able to bridge the gap so that we are able to have a right relationship with God the Father, so that we are able to have this wonderful, amazing, life-giving relationship with God. Because it's what God's holiness demands, that we be holy. And because we're incapable, a relationship with Jesus is our only path to that reality. We need to begin to understand the reality of who God is. We need to understand how so far beyond us God is, how his holiness is so severe in relationship to our own existence that we, it should have an impact on the way in which we live our lives. It should have an impact on the way in which we pray. It should have an impact on the relationship that we have with him. Today is going to be a challenging conversation for so many of us because we don't like to paint pictures of God the way that we're going to talk about God a little bit today. We like our God to be manageable. We like our God to be something that we can control. We like our God to be a person that we can put in a box, in a genie lamp, if you will, and sit on the shelf and pull it off when we need it. We do not like to have this picture of God who's unmanageable. We don't like to have this picture of God that is so much bigger than us that we don't have any control. I think so often we, we get the small picture of God. We love the warm, fuzzy feelings that we get when we start talking about the love of God. But when we start talking about the holiness, man, it steps on our toes a little bit. We don't really like that. I think there are so many examples throughout the Bible of God's holiness, and we're going to look at some of these today. And it's going to be a challenging conversation for some of us because I think some of us have never looked at God in light of his holiness. Some of us have never been challenged by the reality of God's righteousness. And so today we're going to dive into that. So buckle up because it might not be fun. (laughs) Let's start things off by looking at a psalm that I think helps us really understand this, because this psalm paints this picture really clearly of the holiness of God. Psalm 99, I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll break it apart a little bit. Psalm 99 says, the Lord reigns, 
Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was also among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud, he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord, our God, is holy. Let's dig into what we just read here, because there's a picture painted here that we don't often like to talk about. It's not the warm, fuzzy picture of God that we like to paint. This isn't the God that we like to paint this picture of where he's so forgiving that it doesn't really matter what you believe. God loves you. In verse 1, you see the Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. The Lord reigns. God rules. God is in charge. He is the ultimate authority. And the response that is given to that authority is the people tremble. The people tremble. He says in a few lines later, the whole earth quakes because of God's authority. It's not a warm, fuzzy picture of who God is. We don't like this picture. That God is in charge and it should scare us because of the way in which we live our lives. The Lord is great in Zion. He's exalted above all peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. God is over all people. He is lifted high. He is set apart. He is holy. So the appropriate response is worship. The appropriate response is worship. Praise his name. The king in his might loves justice. You've established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. The author of the psalm is most likely King David. And here David speaks of justice. He speaks of the sovereignty of who God is. Can you imagine that the king of a nation is talking about an authority that is greater than him? David could have anything he wants, the snap of a finger. And here he is, recognizing that his authority pales in comparison to God the Father. God is holy. And he recognizes that the appropriate response to that holiness is worship. David goes on to talk about Moses and Aaron and Samuel and talks about how they followed God's statutes. They called on God's name. And in verse 8 it says, Oh Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Notice when he's speaking of Moses, Aaron, and Samuel, these prophets of God, these priests, these people who watched closely with God, and it says God was forgiving to them, they were still held accountable for their wrongdoing. Look at Moses, for example, here. Moses wandered the desert for 40 years with the people of Israel. He wandered with the people of Israel for an entire generation because they didn't get what God was trying to tell them. And they're supposed to be heading to the promised land, and Moses wanders with them expecting to lead them into the promised land. And he wanders faithfully and leads faithfully. 
until the very end. He steps outside of God's plan and God's way of doing things. And because of that, Moses himself never enters the promised land. God holds him accountable to his wrongdoing. God takes righteousness and holiness seriously. I think this is not the picture that a lot of us like to paint of God. This is a challenging picture to see of God. In fact, I think most of us place ourselves in a higher standing in the face of God than we should. Here's a small example of this. And, and I know a lot of times we do this just kind of as like this fun little thought process, right? But you ask the question, what's the first thing you're going to do when you see God? A lot of us have a question we're going to ask. Some of us think we're going to run up and give God a hug. But the truth of the matter is, those are kind of arrogant viewpoints. When you look at the picture of every person who's come face to face with God throughout Scripture, the response is the same. In Isaiah 6, verse 4, Isaiah is brought into the presence of God. And verse 4 says, The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah is brought into the presence of God, he recognizes how sinful he truly is. He recognizes how he does not compare to God, and he cries out, woe is me. In the book of Revelation, in the first chapter of Revelation, verse 17, John, when he's brought into the face of, to the face of Jesus, the face of God, he, it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John's recognition of who God is, who's God's whole, what God's holiness looks like in comparison to himself, leaves him as if he were dead. Both of these men who walked closely with God, who had a relationship with God, have the same response in the face of God's holiness. To fall on those, their face in fear and cry out for their very existence. Their very perception of who they were their position in regards to who God is, is shattered when they recognize God's holiness, when they recognize who God is. I think this is why Proverbs starts off, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. God's holiness is so far beyond our imaginings that the most appropriate response is to fall on our face in fear and worship him. This challenges our prayers a little bit, doesn't it? This makes, hey, please let the Eagles win the Super Bowl seem pretty pithy. I, I'm rooting for them. I am. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. It's, it's not fun to think through God in these terms. I know. It's not comfortable. But here's the beautiful thing. Holiness is so much a part of who God is. He's so set apart. But even in that holiness, God desires relationship with us. Even in that holiness, God wants to come alongside us. John, in that same passage in Revelation, he's on his face as if he is dead. And Jesus comes alongside him, places his hand on his shoulders, and says, don't be afraid. Isaiah, when he cries out to God, recognizes his own sinfulness. God says to him, your sins are forgiven. You are made clean. 
God desires relationship with us. The response to God's holiness, yes, should be to fall on our face in fear and worship because that's the beginning of a true and honest relationship with God the Father. But God still desires a close and intimate relationship with every single one of us. And it can help us begin to understand now who he is and in light of that, understand who we are. This is why the Lord's Prayer, I think, starts off with our Father, what we talked about last week in here, this picture of God adopting us into the family. God desires that relationship with us. But when we begin to recognize God's holiness, it opens the door for us to be able to recognize that we need a relationship with Jesus to be able to even come into the presence of that holiness because we can't meet that standard. Yes, God is holiness, but in recognizing that holiness, we also recognize our need of a relationship with Jesus so that we can even interact with that holiness. But we are adopted into the family when we choose a relationship with Jesus. We are made sons and daughters of the Most High God. This is why we could open the message today with Psalm 63. Once again, another Psalm of David, the same guy who just painted this picture of God that should leave us trembling says these words. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift, I will lift up by my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is a different picture. See, when David recognizes the holiness of God, he can also recognize God as the sustainer. He can recognize God as the helper. He can recognize God as this person who wants this deep and intimate relationship that our very existence requires. Now, there's a little bit more to this passage here. But I think when we can recognize the holiness of God, we, we can begin this honest and true relationship with him. We can begin this relationship all starting with that reality that hallowed be your name. So what does this teach us in our prayer? What does this teach us in our relationship with Jesus? What does this teach us in our day-to-day -day lives? The way that we live, the way that we pray. Well, I think when we begin with who God is, we recognize who God is, we recognize his holiness, it shows us who we are by comparison. So now when we live our lives in the way that he's designed us to live, it's done so out of an outpouring of our relationship with the God of the universe who has shown himself to be holy. Now when we seek to honor him in our dating relationships, we'll seek after purity because we recognize the holiness that God demands in our lives because we see his holiness. Now when we work for a living or we do our schoolwork, we do it to bring God glory because of his holiness. We do the best that we can, choosing what is right, not what is easy all out of a reflection to the relationship to God's holiness.
Now the way that we spend our money, the way that we spend our time, the way that we raise our kids, the way that we follow our leaders, the, every single part of our lives is shaped by this interaction with God's holiness. It's all done out of a reflection of his holiness. And it's not because we feel some need to follow a list of rules. It's because when we've interacted with a God that is this holy, it becomes an outpouring of our relationship with him. And when we do that, that's when we find life. That's when we find hope. That's when we find peace. That's when we find joy. That's when we find meaning. That's when we find purpose. It permeates every single thing that we are. Because now we recognize our lives are not lived for ourselves, but instead for this holy God and the mission and the purpose that he has for our lives. And obviously, that should impact the way that we pray. It should impact the way that we speak to our God. There's a model of prayer that I've used over the years that have helped me keep this perspective in place. It's the model of prayer from, called ACTS, A-C-T-S. And all, all it is is this order of prayer that allows your heart and your mind to be focused on who God is before we begin to get to that place that we all default to of ask, ask, take, take. ACTS, A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication, adoration. We praise God for who he is. We reflect on God's holiness. C, confession. In light of God's holiness, we confess where we fall short and where we're not living up to our relationship. T, thanksgiving. We thank God for what he has given us. And then, only then, supplication. Do we ask for ourselves? And I promise you, when we begin in that place, the things that we ask for begin to be changed. The things that we look to God for begin to shift because now it's about who he is and what he wants for our lives more so than the things that we get consumed with in our own self-centeredness. We need to live recognizing the holiness of God. So the challenge I have for us today as we kind of wrap this thing up is have you, have I, interacted with the holiness of God? Or have we only ever scratched the surface on who God really is? I challenge you, spend some time today. Spend some time this week. Spend some time daily reflecting on the holiness of God. Begin to shift your perspective of who he is. Because I promise you, when we do that, It'll shift the way we live our lives. The things that are important to us begin to change because now we recognize the holiness of who God is. This is also a challenge for any of us who have not come to that place where we've actually committed our lives to a relationship with Jesus. Because when we can begin to recognize the holiness of who God is, we recognize we are not capable of meeting that standard on our own. We are not capable of living a righteous life on God's standard. It is impossible for us, but it wasn't impossible for Jesus. And through his death on the cross, he has opened a way for us to have relationship with him. When we choose to believe and confess that he is Lord and to follow him with every part of our lives. So today, if that's where you find yourself, I challenge you, make the jump. Choose to follow him 
because it will transform the very way you look at the world around you. It'll bring you life, it'll bring you peace, it'll bring you hope that you have never experienced before. It'll bring you meaning and purpose that you can't find anywhere else. Let's stand together. I'd like to pray, with, pray together. And we're going to start things off. If you were in that place today where you find yourself desiring a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray with me in the beginning of this. And for all of us who have a relationship with Jesus, let this be that reminder to you of the holy God that we serve and that we follow. Father God, we, we just recognize and come before you as a holy and awesome God here and now. Father God, we recognize that we cannot do this on our own. We cannot live a life of righteousness and holiness on our own. We cannot find life without you. And today we confess and believe that Jesus was your son, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with you, God. Father God, we surrender. We set our own desires. We set our own will, our own purposes in our lives down at your feet. And we receive the forgiveness that you offer us. We receive the life that you offer us. Father God, I just pray that you remind us daily of your holiness. Remind us who you are so that in turn, our lives can be a reflection of your holiness. Father God, you are such a great and awesome and mighty God, and we are just blown away that even in that, you desire a relationship with each and every one of us. We love you so much, Lord. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. And we hope you join us for the next message in our Teach Us to Pray series. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at grandpoint.church. And until next time, remember that you belong here.